0: Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1124 of the Locked on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Friday evening. And thank you, as always, for listening to the podcast, making your first listen each and every day. Check out the Locked Hawks podcast on every podcast platform, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Today's show will break down what became an absolute blowout in Memphis, a final score of 132 for the Hawks and 100 for the Grizzlies. And the 7th consecutive win for Atlanta, all by double figures and in pretty dominant fashion throughout this winning streak. And honestly, pretty impressive for the Hawks to go on the road for this little mini two-game stretch in San Antonio, Memphis, come out with two very comfortable wins. Obviously, tonight's game was marred um, in some respects by the John Morant injury. And from the NBA broader standpoint, that's definitely the story of the night because uh, all hopes that he would be uh, healthy and okay. But he'll have an MRI tonight, and that kind of lost a little bit of the luster. But from the Hawks' side... They were absolutely fantastic in this game. They were winning before the injury happened, and they kind of blew things open in a big way in the third quarter. It was a pretty workman-like effort in the first half, kind of a comfortable performance until that point, and then the third quarter, it was all systems go, let's just say, in the third as a blowout transpired, and then the fourth quarter was entirely garbage time on the way to a 32-point win, which the Hawks about as many as 40 points in this game. So, um... With all that said, we'll get into the nuts and bolts of this one. I'm sure it'll be a little bit of a shorter podcast than it has been recently because there just wasn't that much going on in this game other than just the blowout. But obviously Hawks fans will not mind that one bit as uh, this was a fun performance for Atlanta on the whole. Coming into the night, this is actually an interesting test I thought for the Hawks. Obviously, with Morant leaving the game early, it became less of one. But you know, Memphis was coming into the game a top ten offense. Uh, I will say they were also dead last in the NBA in defensive rating, which def- that definitely showed in this game. And by the way, uh, Morant's not exactly a good defender, so um, you know it's not like they got worse defensively when uh, when Morant left the game. So that's kind of interesting. And the Hawks did this against a pretty bad defense, but at the same time, they were cruising on that end of the floor. And then I thought defensively, the Hawks did a very good job. Overall, in this game against the Memphis team, that yes, is not the same team without Moran on offense, but they have some interesting pieces and uh, they were playing well on offense in this, uh, this season until tonight. Um, injury wise, the Hawks actually had a couple guys on the injury report coming into the game. They both play, but Trey Young was probable with a left ankle sprain. Uh, no signs of that in this one as he was fantastic. And then Bogdan Madonovich was actually questionable with left hamstring soreness. He ended up playing as well and playing a decent amount of minutes. Um, other than that, the Hawks were relatively healthy. Of course, Hunter and Okongwu remain out of the lineup. Hunter's missed the last seven games in a row, and the last nine, Okongwu's been out for the season, if you're just, not, if you're just now joining us uh, on this podcast. But Memphis actually was 100% healthy in terms of their actual rotation, guys. They had a couple guys at the end of their bench that were not in uniform tonight. But all of their rotation guys, uh, with Anthony Melton, who was questionable, ended up playing Memphis until the Morant injury was at full strength in this game. Um, our friends at Online, AG, and they sponsored the podcast, of course, um, actually made the Hawks a slight underdog coming into the game, at least in the morning. And then by tip-off, the Hawks were a slight one-point favorite. But basically what that means is um, it's a toss-up. You know, the, the smallest possible move of two points in the betting world is going from plus one to minus one. So basically the Hawks were narrowly favored at tip-off, but it was the closest point spread for the Hawks in the last two weeks, actually. The entire time at home when they went on that winning streak and then also in San Antonio, they were bigger favorites than they were in this game. So on paper, it was their toughest test since they played in Denver two weeks ago. And obviously they passed the test with flying colors. Um, we'll dive into the game now, and in the early going, a lot of the focus, at least for me, was on what they were going to do with John Morant, because, um, you know, the last time, and usually when the Hawks have played against the primary league guards, it's been DeAndre Hunter guarding those guys, and this is the first time since the Hunter injury that the Hawks played a team that is led by its point guard. Um, and Morant was got the assignment, uh, uh, sorry, I should say Kevin Herter was got the assignment on, on John Morant coming into the night, At the top, I was going to see how they kind of went throughout the game on that. Uh, Ended up being DeLon Wright for a few minutes, and then Morant, of course, left the game and never returned. Um, You know, just for the record, Herter is the best option among the starters. Obviously, you you probably would have seen someone like Reddish at some point as well, and I think DeLon Rye is a quality option off the bench against a lead guard like Morant, but that was interesting in some ways. Um, In the early going, Trey Young, as he was the entire game really, but was masterful getting to wherever he wanted to go. Again, Memphis is not very good defensively this season, but Trey was really able to exploit them in their drop coverage, Um, you know, turning the corner, operating the pick and roll, and uh, really exploiting them overall. Uh, also a good active start by Capella in this game, who was uh, also tremendous, I thought. um, and Captain on Brothers of the floor with his rebounding, his uh, his rim crashing on offense. And then Collins had um, some nice moments as well. Um, and a nice help side block on uh, Desmond Bain uh, midway through the first quarter. And Collins, by the way, coming into the night, was into the top 20 in the NBA in blocks kind of quietly, and he's definitely become uh, a, a, pretty, a pretty big force on that week's that rim protection for the Hawks. It was a pretty close game early, actually. As, but as funny as that sounds now, if you if you just saw the second half of this game, It was pretty close for a lot of the first quarter. In fact, both teams were really getting to the rim, kind of whatever they wanted to. Um, Both teams had 10 points in the paint before the first timeout, um, and four total jump shots were attempted in the first six minutes. It was a lot of interior options for both of these teams, and no fast break stuff in the early going as well. Um, Rotationally for the Hawks, Really the first half was the only quote-unquote normal half in this game, and it was um, that mid-quarter switcheroo where they, they, t- they, t- they take Trae Young out of the game for a couple minutes for DeLon Wright and then bring him back in to kind of anchor at the end of the first quarter. That happened in this game. They actually had Wright come in and guard Morant for a few minutes. Then Gallinari and Reddish after that, as they often do, and then Wright came back out as they went with both Trey and Lou together late in the first quarter. I don't love that still, but they've been doing that a l- at least reasonably because um, it's consistently the last few games. And uh, they skipped Gorgie Jack again in the rotation in the first half. Um, late in the quarter, the Hawks had a 13-2 to run to go up by eight points. That kind of was their first push of the night. Um, offensively, I thought that there was a lot of purpose going on offensively. Uh, playing through Collins a little bit when Trey left the court in that short span. I like that a lot. Kind of using John as a fulcrum is a good idea, generally. And then Morant left the game. Um, the Hawks were up by six when he left. Um, and, of course, we obviously want to send the best best wishes to him. But that kind of, um, in some ways, ended the game. I think the Hawks would have won this game anyway. I think the Hawks are better than the Grizzlies. They were playing well in the early going. But without him, um, the energy level dropped for Memphis in a big way. And also, they just can't really score. Morant is kind of... Um, to their offense the way that Trey is, to the Hawks' offense. I think Trey is the better player still right now, but it's similar in the fact that they've kind of always struggled to generate um, a lot of their offensive stuff without Moran on the floor. They kind of play through him always, and uh, they had nothing without him in this game. Uh, That's a good activity I thought from Cam Reddish in the first half. Um, three deflections pretty quickly in a row and was playmaking. A couple of offensive trips that I didn't love from Cam, but obviously a lot of the a lot of the good stuff on defense in the early going. And the Hawks led by eight points at the end of the first quarter. They shoot. They were shooting incredibly well as they did the entire game. Honestly, got to the rim whenever they wanted to. Twenty points in the paint and eight free throw attempts in the first quarter. That's a heck of a combination, and that was when the game was still competitive, so that obviously still really matters. And the offense kind of ground to a halt for Memphis when Morant left. They shot 33% from the floor in the first quarter, and 0 of 8 on threes. In the second period, um, as they have for most of the season, they kind of have gone to that Hawks, uh, the Hawks have gone to that bench group with Capella, plus bench. Uh, It didn't go very well. In fact, Memphis had their best stretch of the game, at least of the game that actually mattered. Their best best stretch was actually in the fourth quarter, which is kind of funny, but... Early in the early in the second quarter, it was a 7-0 run by the Grizzlies. Uh, kind of wrapped around three bad trips in a row offensively for the Hawks. A couple of really bad force jump shots from Reddish and Lou Williams. And then a, kind of a missed bunny from Lou. Um, but from there, they kind of balanced it out. Capella was playing so, so well. He had a great offensive rebound and put back at one point, And then a huge block of manor to the floor. Um, there was a super weird play before a timeout in which... It was kind of just like bodies everywhere and sloppiness and the ball kind of getting kicked around. And Lou got a technical foul at the end of that for uh, arguing a non-call. And that was kind of a weird play. Um, The Hawks actually scored about, I think, four points in almost four minutes at that point in time. Some ugly stuff on offense. Uh, To start with, actually one of eight combined shooting from Reddish, Williams, and Wright. At the outset of the uh, of their stints in the first half, uh, they kind of broke out of that with a Capella block again, and then a three by Gallinari to go back by eight points. And they forced a lot of timeout, uh, sorry, forced a lot of turnovers at, at that point in time too. Got to a timeout and kind of withstood that little push from Memphis with that with that bench unit. And when the starters came back in, at least in in some of the starters came back in, it was a ten to three run by the Hawks at about seventy seconds uh, to put the lead up to thirteen points. Back to back threes by Cam and Trey and then a nice, I will say a nice catch and shoot shot from, from Reddish there, and then a deep one from Trey, about a 32-footer from Trey Young at that point in time. Memphis did kind of push back a little bit, but couldn't keep it going, and the Hawks led by 14 at the break. Um, you know, obviously what was to come was going to break things open in a big way, but the Hawks were already playing well offensively. Um, 38 points in the paint in the first half, 56% from the floor in the first half. The starters were 20-30 of 30 from the floor. The bench was 4-13. of 13. The starters were awesome in this game, as we'll get into later on. But uh, Trey, Capella, and Collins were all in double figures before halftime. And Memphis was certainly bad on defense, but the Hawks were smartly attacking the rim, playing to their strengths in this matchup and not settling. That was good to see. And they got to the offensive glass as well. Uh, by the way, this is the fourth straight game and five out of the last six, which the Hawks have scored 60 points or more in the first half. So they've been putting it two teams before halftime, and Memphis really kind of just struggled to score um, before halftime. They did, um, I will say, it's still a credit to the Hawks to hold them down to less than a point per possession in the competitive portion of this game, but obviously some caveats there with Memphis being without Morant. Um, all right, with all that said, we'll get into the third core domination in a moment, and by the way, it absolutely was a domination. Uh, before we get to that, though, a word from our sponsors on the show today, and the first of which has been it's Thanksgiving, and we all know what that means. It means football, and nothing goes better with football than turkey and betting. Online has you covered all holiday season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Online remains your number one spot for all of the sports action this Thanksgiving. Head to our new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today. And receive 50% as a welcome bonus with a promo code locked on to receive that bonus. It's not just football either, BetOnline Online has pro and college basketball, NHL, boxing, UFC, golf, your favorite Vegas Casino games, and much, much more. Do not wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers for the rest of 2021 and beyond. Betonline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. One more time, check out BetOnline.ag with a 50% welcome bonus with promo code locked on to receive that bonus. BetOnline, we're stuffed with deals this Thanksgiving. All right, and the third quarter was, as I said before the break, uh, a domination, annihilation, whichever word you like to use, uh, forty-three to eighteen in favor of the Hawks in the third quarter to break things open. And you know, obviously, the Hawks were huge favorites at the half, but by the time the dust settled at the end of the third quarter, it was all but over in Memphis. Um, Collins actually got fouled on a three-pointer on the first possession, took up by seventeen, made all three, and there was an awesome play design from the Hawks shortly after that when Trey got the ball, playing off the ball, actually coming off a screen. Another set, another screen was set for him. He got downhill, turned the corner, lobbed it to Capella for a dunk, and that was kind of a, a pretty good indication of how things were going at that point in time. In general, it wasn't just the, the third quarter; it was the beginning of the third quarter. Uh, a twenty-eight to four run by the Hawks to open up the third, to push the lead up to 36. It was 88-52 at that point in time. The Grizzlies scored four points at almost seven minutes of clock time. Uh, so it wasn't even just, it wasn't just the offense. Obviously the offense wasn't the bigger story in my mind in this game, but defensively, they were really clamping down on Memphis in that stretch as well. They led by 38 points with four minutes left in the third quarter and Memphis called timeout. I thought at that point in time they were going to pull the starters. At least I would have at least considered pulling uh, Trey Young and Clickapella Click- Click- in particular. Because those guys are, uh, and, and John Collins of course, um, are kind of the pillars on this team. Um, the one guy that did come out was Collins, which is why I didn't say him before. But they brought in Gallinari. Um, the league got to as many as 40 points, by the way, in the third quarter. And then uh, Trey hit a buzzer beater, at least a closer buzzer beater, at the end of the third quarter. Go by 39 points at the end of the period. The stats in the quarter were unsurprisingly preposterous for the Hawks. Uh, Again, 43 points, 17 of 24 from the floor, 4 of 7 from 3, 5 6 from the free throw line, 13 assists in the quarter. That is a ton. And Memphis, by the way, shot 4 of 20 from the floor. So that's how you win a quarter by 25 points in the NBA. Uh, You make everything, they miss everything, and they just dominated the game overall. I will, say he, I will say this quickly, I will, I will not dwell on this, but I didn't love that the Hawks played four starters the entire third quarter when the game was very clearly over with like six minutes to go. Um, I understand the thinking. I think because um, Nate kind of wanted to make sure those guys didn't have to come back in. He just decided to play them the entire quarter, knowing that they would not have to come back in the game. Um, at the same time, they probably could have gotten guys like Trey and Clint uh, in particular, uh, I would say Clint even more so in particular than Trey, um, off the court just for, you know, save those guys some minutes. It's, it's a back-to-back with travel. The game's absolutely over. Um, does not really matter that much? No, because nothing happened to really make it matter, but... I would have uh, liked to see that, maybe a little bit less, but they, they set they out the entire fourth quarter and got some more numbers and obviously put the game away even more. So no harm done, just kind of a note that I had and I wanted to make sure that I said it because I was tweeting it in real time. I like to share what I, what I think in real time so I'm not trying to uh, change my opinions as the uh, as the context <laughs> changes necessarily. So there you go on that. And by the way, playing, I, was, I guess maybe playing into that was the Hawks didn't have the trio of G League guys, uh, Jalen Johnson, Sharif Cooper, and Skylar Mays in Memphis on this evening. It would have been nice, actually, in retrospect, to have those guys there. I understand why they didn't take them on the trip, because they probably didn't need them, at least on paper. Like, you know, the Hawks were not supposed to win these two games in a you know absolute blowout fashion, and uh, there's some valuable stuff in having those guys stay at home and get some practice time at the College Park, etc. cetera. But um, clearly you would have seen a lot of those guys in the fourth quarter in this game, and maybe that was why they didn't want to take the starters out even earlier, Was because you don't want to have to play guys like, you know, Gallinari 12 minutes in a row or something like that in the fourth quarter. So I get all that. At any rate, uh, the fourth quarter was the one hiccup. It did not matter. I want to stress this, stress this right now. It didn't matter at all. But uh, the second unit with Gorgie Jang played for the first time on the, on, on the night really struggled at the beginning of the fourth quarter. A 19-4 run by the Grizzlies to cut the lead down to 24. And by the way, that was Memphis's third unit. Uh, they had played 10 guys in the rotation before that, and then they brought in their third group because they had everybody healthy and everybody active in this game So, because they were at home. They had 15, 16 guys active in the game, and uh, that allowed them to play a third unit at that point in time, so they were fresh, and bombing away, and making threes, it didn't actually matter, you know, it finally stabilized a little bit, with Gallinari making a couple jump shots, Lou made a couple jump shots as well, and that kind of helped things, Memphis was, you know, kind of bombing away, but that was kind of it, in terms of the relevant portion, of the game, I could spend some time, talking about the fourth quarter stuff, but the combination of, the low leverage, and weirdness, makes me think, there's not a whole lot to take away from that, other than the fact that the Hawks, cruised to the finish, they brought in TLC and Solo with six minutes to go, and that was that, elsewhere in terms of the overall takeaways in this game you know not a lot to get to other than the fact that just the stats were you know overwhelming and the hawks played incredibly well in this game so offensively they finished the night 58% from the floor 48% from 3 15 of 27 um with 33 assists um the starters shot 37 of 52 from the floor which is 71% for the starting five in this game that is outrageous they were 711 from 3 Um, From that group Um, at the end of the third quarter, which I'm kind of using as an unofficial tally of when the game was over. It was over well before that, to be fair, but in terms of just like eliminating the absolute third, third unit garbage time in the fourth quarter at the end of the third, the Hawks were shooting 61% from the floor. And um, 60% from three at the end of the third quarter with 26 assists. So they were obviously doing whatever they wanted to do offensively the entire game. And then defensively, you obviously would say that Memphis played a smart played, played a part in it by misses, missing shots. But the Hawks did play good defense for the most part as well. Um, Memphis got to 100 points in this game. So if you're old school, you might think, might, might think that the, the Grizzlies played well on offense. They did not. Um, they were pretty bad. And through three quarters, they were still scoring well below a point per possession in the game. Um, they did shoot 68% with five threes in the fourth quarter in absolute garbage time to make it look a little bit less disastrous uh, in terms of the overall numbers. But um, Memphis entered, entered the game, by the way, in addition to having a top 10 offense, they were number one in the league in fast break points and number one in the league in points of the paint. Um, they fell well below their averages in both those numbers. Obviously, some of those you know full game numbers are out of whack because of the garbage time situation, but the Hawks did a good job, I thought. In stopping them in, in transition, also just like, scoring efficiently makes it hard for teams to pull the ball out of the net and run. But the Hawks, uh, I thought, did a good job defensively. They, they forced some good shots, forced some tough shots, I should say. And uh, you know, Memphis's starters, I believe, were two of thirteen from three in the game. Yeah, two of thirteen uh, for those for those five guys combined. Um, Kyle Anderson, who's usually a guy that I enjoy, was 08 from the floor and 05 from three off the bench. There was some ugly stuff from the Grizzlies. In this contest, But all credit to the Hawks, who played very, very well in this game. And uh, we'll talk about that more in a second. But I want to at least stress that one more time before we get to a break. Is that the Hawks uh, played lights out in this game. Obviously, when you win, or I guess when you go by 40 in the third quarter, that's kind of implied. But it was pretty impressive to me coming out of a Thanksgiving holiday, on the road, weird, weird trip. Um, I guess a pretty solid team. Like, Memphis is not great, um, particularly without Morant for part of this game. But still, to go on the road and do this is uh, very, very impressive from the Hawks. So I'll leave it there for now, and we'll have some individual breakdowns in a moment. But first, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast, and the first of which is Bill Barr. It's the most wonderful time of the year and Built is going all out to make this Black Friday weekend the most delicious Black Friday in the history of Black Fridays. That includes Built releasing new limited time flavors, new types of bars, and a winter wonderland of a deal. If you want high-end deliciousness at a discount, Built is giving you 20% off anything and everything at built.com through Black Friday weekend, and all you have to do is use the promo code LOCKED20. That's 20% off anything and everything at built.com if you use the promo code LOCKED20. Built has two new flavors of Ruby Chocolate Puffs and Lemon Dipped Cheesecake Puffs, and both are absolutely delicious. And on top of that, a Built Black Friday weekend is not complete without the word free. And if you buy any box of Built Bars through Sunday, you can get two of their brand new Built Crave Bars for free. Built has finally done it and come up with a candy bar that's a great alternative to the bar that claims to satisfy in its caramel flavor with chocolate and peanuts and that sweet candy bar taste. And the Crave Bar has only 160 calories with 17 grams of protein with no candy bar even coming close. The best Black Friday deals are at Built.com, and it's a great time to give your taste buds the gift of Built Bar. One more time, you can get twenty percent off Built Bars. Yes, that's twenty percent off Built Bars and two free Crave Bars at Built.com. Plus, you can get sixty percent off of Built Broth and Built Boost, and forty percent off of Built Swag. And you can get all of that by entering the promo code Lock Twenty at Built.com. All right, and to get out of here on this fine Friday evening into Saturday, a look at the players in this contest and. Uh, With all respect, I will uh, kind of cross off the Solomon Hill, TLC, Gorgie Jang group. They didn't play a whole lot of uh, meaningful minutes in this game, if any. Uh, I thought Gorgie had a slow start. Let's just say in the fourth quarter he was pretty bad early on in that stretch, but picked it up from there. TLC and Solomon Hill did what they do at the end of the game. Um, Of the guys who played real minutes, I thought thought Lou Williams was probably the worst that played in this game. He actually ended up minus 10 in a 32-point win. And uh, he was playing actually real minutes, not just garbage time. So that kind of tells you a little bit about the way he played in this game. It wasn't only that by any means, but I thought Lou struggled. He was 2 of 7 from the floor. I think both those makes were in the fourth quarter when the game was all but over. Um, You know, nothing really punitive about that. I think he's actually been playing pretty well the last couple of weeks. Much better than he was early in the season, but kind of a rough one here from Lou. Elsewhere in the rotation, DeLon Wright, 21 minutes, um, two points, two steals, three assists, and six rebounds for DeLon. Had one bad missed jumper that I think was uh, obviously looked pretty terrible, but I think DeLon is generally checking a lot of boxes in a positive way in terms of his all-court play, and that pairing with Lou has worked to some extent. Um, Also, I, I probably would have been interesting to see if he played more to guard John Morant in this game, but that ended up not happening given the Morant early exit um Gallinari was fairly quiet a couple of big shots I, I probably shouldn't say big a couple of shots that were noteworthy when the Hawks were starting to give it up a little bit in the fourth quarter when it was down to like 25 but um other than that nine points forced us a steal two rebounds for Gallo in 21 minutes uh quiet enough but made two out of three from three and played fine um Cam Reddish kind of a mix and match game I thought defensively he was quite good and active in this game three steals had a block um and kind of made a couple things happen. You've got lots of deflections, as he often is going to be able to do. Offensively hit and miss, but at 14 points, uh, four tip from the floor, two of five from three, that's the line four times, made all four, had two assists as well, which is good to see from Cam. A um, couple of, you know, I, I would say uh, unbrand kind of bad shot possessions, but other than that, you know, when he was under control, getting... Getting to the rim was good. Had a nice catch-and-shoot three at one point, a couple of nice passes. So um, generally a positive man, I think, for Cam overall, even with a couple of maddening plays, as he is often wont to do. Um, to the starters, and uh, as I sort of alluded to earlier with the numbers on the starters, again, this group shot 71% from the floor. Uh, that's five players. They were absolutely dominant. All five guys played less than 30 minutes in this game, and they were all plus 32 or better. So when the starters played together, or even partly together in this game, they absolutely dominated the competition. Um, the two guys who were quietest were Herter and Bogdanovich. Herter, I thought, played well in the second half. He was the quietest guy in the first half, but had seven points, four assists, um, 25 minutes. Uh, did, his, did his job defensively for the most part. Um, a quiet night, but not, not necessarily a bad night, just kind of uh, you know, not really in, in the flow in terms of shot attempts. Bogey, same sort of thing, honestly. Eight points, seven rebounds, though. That was good to see from him. Four assists, moved the ball well. I think defensively he was a little bit better than he has been this year in this contest, but didn't take a lot of shots, but uh, did his job, I thought, just in a general solid fashion. And then the three stars of the night, Young, Collins, and Capella. We'll end with Trey, so I'll I'll go to Collins now. 21 points, eight rebounds, two assists, a steal, and a block for John. Plus 35 in 23 minutes. Eight of 11 from the floor, two of two from three from the free throw line. So 21 points on like 12 shooting possessions, 13 shooting possessions. Obviously uber-efficient. He was awesome in this game as he has been all year. Um, what else do you say about John Collins? But um, he definitely, uh, I would say, thoroughly dominated the head-to-head matchup with Jerry Jackson Jr., which is not a surprise to me. Uh, you know, Collins is a much better player right now than Jackson, uh, but definitely noteworthy for uh, a number of reasons. Capella, I thought, was awesome. I even said that, I think it maybe on Twitter, I can't remember where it was that I said this on uh, during the game. I think until the third quarter, um, I would have said Capella was the best player on the floor in this game, Um, and that's with Trey playing incredibly well. Capella was awesome. Uh, 23 points, 17 rebounds in 29 minutes, Uh, three blocks, a steal, plus 33. I said this sort of tongue-in-cheek during the game, but maybe this will be a thing now where Capella just has like a 10, 12-game ramp-up every year where he struggles and then turns it on. Last year, famously, he was basically lights out from like the 10th game of the season on the rest of the way where he was like playing at an all-star level. This year, it's been kind of the same. He's been really, really good the last like two and a half weeks. And unsurprisingly, that has helped to result in the Hawks winning a lot more games than they were winning before. Uh, It's not just Capella by any means, but it is night and day with the way that he is playing now versus where he was three or four weeks ago and also how the team is playing. And there's definitely a correlation there. It's not always causation, but Capella is very important to what the Hawks do. On defense in particular, and he has been playing very, very well in recent days. And then Trey Young, who was awesome in this game again, like total command. Uh, he is the front runner by a lot for uh, Conference Player of the Week this, this week. Obviously, they have one more game, which we'll touch on in a second on Saturday, but as long as he plays even reasonably well on Saturday, I expect, I expect him to win that Player of the Week award. Um, 31 points, 10 assists, and 27 minutes. He was super efficient, 12-16 from the floor, 3-4 from three, 4-5 from the free throw line. As I said on Wednesday, I thought Wednesday was his best game of the season so far. Um, this would have been right up there as well. Obviously, the leverage wasn't quite as high because of the uh, blowout nature of this game, but he was a big part of the reason why they blew the game out in a lot of ways as well. And, you know, Trey was uh, borderline flawless in this game. I uh, Did have four turnovers, but that's kind of the only thing that you can point to. Um, you know, 31-10 in and and 27 minutes speaks for itself, but uh, he was dominant. And, uh, in general, the Hawks were dominant in this game. Clearly, uh, you know, we could talk about numbers all day long. And again, they won by 32 points, lead by as many as 40 in the second half. But um, coming into the night, the Hawks had a plus 1.6 net rating for the season. That is pretty solid. It was like in the top, you know, 12, 13 in the league coming into the night. Um, When the game ended, the Hawks have a plus 3.1 net rating. Uh, to, To jump up, More than a full point in net rating uh, in the 20th game of the season is uh, not something that's just going to happen. You have to win by a lot of points to do that, and that happened in this game. And uh, also, in terms of the raw point differential, the Hawks were plus 32 for the season coming into the night, and they won by 32 points. So they doubled their point differential. Um, So now they're plus 64. And uh, obviously there's a little bit of noise in here, but the Hawks are now tied for 7th in the league in net rating. They are also number 3 in offensive rating, so uh, lots of positives going on right now, and even defensively, where they were so bad early on, they are now up to twenty-third, which is not anything great, but it's definitely better than where they were uh, just a couple weeks ago. So lots of positive there for the Hawks. And uh, what are you going to say? Seven, seven games in a row. The competition level was not like off the charts. Any seven games, you know, I saw a lot of uh, talk about that, and you know this, but to win all seven games in du- by double digits and to just take care of business—that's a phrase that I use a lot, but it definitely applies here. Uh, And honestly, it probably even undersells the way the Hawks have been playing, because yes, it wasn't the gauntlet of schedule, but they still beat some competent NBA teams, including, uh, you know, they beat Milwaukee, they beat Boston, they beat Charlotte in this run, and then they, you know, two road wins over anybody, really. Uh, Anybody, I I would say, north of the Houston-Oklahoma City tier, to win two games in a row in dominant fashion on the road is not something you could just take for granted. So, a heck of a stretch by the Hawks, and uh, all that sour taste from early on, and I did try to tell you guys not to panic after the four-night start. Uh, I wasn't necessarily going to pick them to win the next seven games in a row, but they did that, and they're looking good at this point in time. Um, all right, before we get out of here, and look quickly at the next game on the agenda for the Hawks. It's a back-to-back for Atlanta. They play the Knicks at home on Saturday night. I will be in the building for that one. Uh, the Knicks are also on a back-to-back. They played at home on Friday, so while the Hawks have to get back from Memphis, um, their opponent has a longer trip. From New York, I'd say I'm not sure it's an advantage for the Hawks, but it's not a huge disadvantage either. And by the way, the Knicks lost to the Suns in uh, blowout fashion. The Suns have won fifteen games in a row, which is a lot of games. And that's the only reason why the Hawks don't have the longest winning streak in the league because the Suns keep winning every single night. But the Hawks do have the longest winning streak in the East by a comfortable margin, which is worth pointing out. Um, but at any rate, the game against the Knicks on Saturday will be the first time these two teams have played against each other since the infamous playoff series last year. Um, yeah, clearly the Hawks will be going to MSG for Christmas, and that will be a heck of an atmosphere, I'm sure. Sure, but um, with the exception of the MSG crowd uh, yelling at Trey Young, which won't be happening on Saturday, that'll be an interesting game. The Knicks are kind of a weird team in a lot of ways. Um, I'll just say that as a quick preview of the game uh, on Saturday. The Knicks are not as good defensively as they were a year ago, but they are better on offense. But they're only 10-9 and 9 overall. It's not like the Knicks are playing like incredibly well. They've actually been outscored for the season. But their defense is kind of in the middle of the pack, which is weird for that Knicks team, which was top three or four in the league last year in defense. And the offense is better, but not great. So uh, if you're asking me if the Hawks are better than the Knicks, I'm telling you definitively yes. Um, And being at home, even on a back-to-back, I think the Hawks will be favored. They should be favored in the game. And uh, that's the one where you're quote-unquote supposed to win. It doesn't mean that you're guaranteed to win, but obviously the Hawks should be in a pretty good spot on Saturday. And by the way, the Hawks have a three-day break in the action. After Saturday, which is bizarre, that is their longest of the season at this point in time, and probably the longest of the season overall, other than uh, the All-Star break, um, they don't play till Wednesday after Saturday. So that's going to, uh, we'll obviously fill some content in between those two games, but keep that in mind as well. All right, thank you for listening to the podcast, everybody. Please subscribe to the show on your podcast platform of choice, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or somewhere else. Please follow the show on Twitter at on Hawks, Follow me on Twitter if you'd like to at BT Roland. Tell a friend, tell a family member, tell an acquaintance even an enemy about the podcast. I really really appreciate all of the support. And we'll be back again about 24 hours from now to cover Hawks Knicks. And we'll see you next time.